Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Back with you every Monday for the rest of the season. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and with me um, for this first edition proper of the season, uh, it's Gareth the Prevo. Hi Tony. And James Fowler. Hi Tony. Good to see you guys. Um, good to be back. Good uh, to see you belatedly, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had best intentions of kicking off last week, but uh, when have I ever been on time for a, for a match let alone a season? Um, we're going to have uh, well, a bit of a quick look through what's been happening so far. We've had a few pre-league games, haven't we? A few um, cup games in the Jeremy as well. And we've got a full uh, chat to come as well with Chris Lefriek, Bell's coach, um, who uh, popped into the studio earlier today to tell us, well, about the job he's doing there, but also about the job he's done over the last few years at the track in terms of sort of revitalising the club as a whole and um, and kind of filling or refilling the mini section from from nothing to uh, where it is now, which is in a very um, good place by the sounds of it. A really interesting chat with him to come. Um, but let's just start, well, at the start, I guess, um, with the uh, pre league uh results so far and uh, i suppose really the the season probably peaked didn't it with uh with that goal at the uh at the corbett field on that friday night a couple of weeks ago it certainly brightened up my evening tony yeah i was th- i was standing on the uh the terrace bit at uh, corbett field enjoying the nice sunset more than more than the football at the time uh well against rangers i must admit i thought rangers were by far the better side in that first 40 minutes against wreck and then pretty much out of nowhere, Marlon Jardim hit an absolute screamer, which I don't think will be beaten in terms of goal of the season this this year. Um, he, he just got the ball about 25 yards out, just got it out from under his feet, looked up and just hit it. It clipped the underside of the bar on the way to hitting the stanchion, basically never even hit the net. And I mean, the goalkeeper didn't move. Uh, young Max Wall was in the stick. He actually had a decent game in between the sticks, but he had absolutely no chance. And it was an absolutely brilliant goal. And to be fair to Marlon, he then... Um, uh, made the second goal with a great bit of skill and nice um, footwork setting out for Jacob Marston Pipe, and then he finished it off with uh, with a breakaway goal as well that night. But yeah, it's uh, it'll be the highlight of my season. It was on the first night. And surely the second biggest talking point of that game has got to be the now increasing use of VO cameras at Brio games. Because uh, it's the absolute bane of an official's life. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, this image of um, of uh, Marlon uh, at the halfway line being about you know three inches over the line or something as the as the ball is is played uh, and people are posted up yes he's definitely offside I mean you know I I, I see the value in VO clearly but if it's going to be used to ha- uh, hang officials <laughs> uh, out to dry repeatedly like that uh, that is you know, it's not I don't think it's fair to be brutally honest you know um, there will be. There will be rogue decisions across the season, right? None uh, as bad as that. But I, I defy anybody with a flag to you know, to be able to to have said with any great authority, uh, yeah, that is or isn't uh, over the line as, as as the minute the ball's played. When of course the ball is being played twenty five yards behind him, it's an awful lot of armchair experts. <laughs> Uh, who, who don't want to carry a flag themselves? And I think you could say you could be tripping at lines when be tripping over the, uh, <laughs> the, the the stand. Well, maybe the lines should be hoofing these things out, saying <laughs> say they're, they're getting in his way and, uh, and and hoofing the cameras off. Drop the shoulder yeah. into it. But that one was actually really quite. We stopped it in the office on 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 sort of a, quite a big screen to look at it, sort of as the ball's being played, and it just brings that really interesting sort of like you can be in two places at once because Marlon's head and shoulder because of the the shape is his body's throwing as he's sort of arcing his run his head and shoulder is over the halfway line so that makes him offside but both his feet are inside his own half 
So I think as a natural thing to do, your your players always thinking about your feet. So I I had no problem with that call as as just letting him go because I mean it's it's such a tight call anyway. The benefit has to go to the attacker. But also look where the ball is being played from in the you know ten yards, five yards outside the box. You know if you're actually going to look and see the ball being played, which you shouldn't do as an official, you should be looking at the line and going on the thump of the ball uh, to see if you know if he's offside or or not. You know that you know anybody who's looked there and then looks at the halfway line, of course he's off. Mm. But you know you've just cost yourself half a second or whatever, which is just critical in in that kind of thing. So uh, I look forward to more VO cameras supporting good decisions. However, they're not going to capture any goals, therefore they're not going to get posted on social media. <laughs> Finished three nil to wreck, didn't it, on the opening night against Rangers? Uh, then we had a few goals on the Saturday, the opening Saturday of the season. Um, Rovers coming from behind to beat Sylvans three uh, two, and a busy second half um, at Blanche PLA in which finished um, well with all six goals coming in the second half um, North beating Saints 4-2 uh, this is becoming a bit of a North trait this season isn't it I mean so nil nil at half time in that game uh to, uh, nil nil against Rangers in the Jeremy on Tuesday night, and nil nil against Alderney on Saturday, and then all the goals seem to come in the second half. It seems uh, you, uh, you don't get value for money unless you arrive at uh, for, for your half-time <laughs> cup of tea at the Northfield. Um, yeah, plenty of goals uh, around the place, as you say, Jim. Um, Jeremy Cup as well. Um, North beating Rangers, um, Rovers beating Saints, um, Sylvans uh, beating Bells and Wreck beating Rockane Pirates um, 4-3. There was another prior game, wasn't there, as you say, um, North beating Alderney 5-0. Um, obviously, you know, two weekends into the season, any kind of standout observations so far? Anyone looking good? Any any particular players who look like they could have a big impact this season? Well, Rangers seem to uh, have North the measure of North anyway. I'll say that, you know, having beat them in the Rawlinson, uh, they went 2-0 up in the Jeremy. And frankly, if Brandon Wallace hadn't been able to come off the bench for North, Rangers would have won that game. Um, so, certain about it but uh Brandon came on uh, and the minute North started passing him the ball he just tore Rangers apart and um even then though you know that took it took the game back to 2-2 and it took a last minute intervention for uh for North to go through but you know decent game and again shows the progress that uh that um that Rangers are making you know it's, it's kind of baby steps but there is definite signs of, of steps uh steps forward um Sylvans as well would have been chuffed with their result against Bells um you know and again yeah that's a club that continues to make little strides forward so uh good luck to them yeah, we've got a few games this weekend. Well, three Premier League games, um, Saints-Rangers on Friday night, um, Rovers-Bells and Sylvans-Rec on Saturday. Then a, a little break. Um, we've got some, what, rep games coming up. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a stop-start uh, starts the season, isn't it, in terms of the kind of league campaign. Um, but, yeah, we'll be but here. That's the nature of the Cups, yep. isn't it? I mean, you've got... Uh, so you end up... Your second week of the season, you're always playing Jeremy Cup first round. You've got the, uh, you've got the Jeremy quarters then played. So it's very difficult to get a bit of prio momentum going. I mean, you're getting some games played, yes, but uh, you know, you're not necessarily picking up points or seeing any any shape in the table. Welcome back. Uh, over the course of the season, we're going to be speaking to as many people as we can from around Guernsey football, so stay tuned um, and stick with us. Um, first up is Chris Lefriak, uh, the Bells uh, head coach, who, um, who took over... Uh, well, as Prio coach, right on the eve of last season. Um, uh, and yeah, they, they started pretty well, didn't they, Bells, in, in that campaign? Fell away um, 
fairly substantially um, towards the end of the campaign, but coming at it with fresh optimism um, this time round. And um, yeah, Jim, we caught up with Chris a little earlier on, and he's someone who has, uh, as we're here, given an awful lot to that club over the last kind of five or six years. Yeah, there's a lot to admire about what Chris has, has done at the track, particularly as, as a guy um, who you know, doesn't have much uh, significant playing pedigree uh, behind him, and obviously spent a few years out of the island and, and Ireland as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I seem to remember he kind of came in primarily at, um, at Bells to do some social media for them, which I've got to say was pretty innovative at the time. And now most clubs are, uh, are copying it. But uh, yeah, he's gone up rapidly since then. You know, uh, um, I think uh, he was tasked by um, uh, by Andy Robert to uh, can you just uh, favour around here, uh, Chris? So, uh, yeah, could you start a Vets team? Um could you uh, do some you know, some stuff behind the scenes, and uh, can you restart our minis as well? Uh, and fair, to be fair, he's, he's done all three, and now he's taking the uh, the Prio job as well. So uh, where would where would Bells be without him? Yeah, an impressive effort for sure. Um, well, uh, let's hear the chat now. We began by asking Chris just to talk through um, his uh, history of the game and how he got involved in Bells. All my family have been involved for Bells for as far as I can imagine. Uh, I was a five-year-old running around the track on a bicycle, getting told off by Graham Scoose and Keith Parkin uh, in the Goldmouth. So uh, started very young at Minis, but Minis wasn't very good back then in sort of the 80s, early 90s. So uh, I went to Velrec at that time, probably for the uh, right up until uh, junior football. Jackson Railway played a couple of times before I moved away to the UK. Um um, and then came back 21 and then got back involved in railway, but then I worked in catering. So I got out of football quite easily. Uh, when you're not getting picked and you don't play, <laughs> you, sort, you sort of lose heart, you know, to turn up for the second half and be on the bench. So I sort of got completely out of football for, for right up to 2015. So a long, a long time I was out of it. And, and my son started reception and Bells had finished their minis. Uh, there was no minis existent at, at that time. Uh, and it happened to coincide there was no Prio players or Jackson players. It all disbanded from the, the great league sides that had happened. It all gone. There was a captain's project somewhere. There was some had gone to Saints. Uh, some people had moved away. So um, I was approached by Andy Robert um, and he said, look, we need a, uh, we needed something. We need an injection of something. Um, and I said, well, I can certainly try. I don't know many people in Guernsey football at this period because I've not been in touch with it at all um, at any level. So um, he said two objectives. He said, "Can you get the um, can you get some of your old mates involved for a vets team?" I said, "Yeah, I'm sure I can." We'd all reached 35 that summer. Um, I said, "Okay." He said, um, "What about speaking to any of the lads coming back to play for Prio?" I said, well, that might be a little bit more difficult. Um, and he said, also, could you restart the minis? I was like, wow. <laughs> the the to-do list is getting longer. Yeah. yeah, that was quite a long pint I went for that day <laughs> on that Sunday afternoon. But um, obviously, I had to think about it. I thought, right, okay, well, the Vets is no problem. Um, I said, I don't know anything about Vets football, but we're not 21. We're going to need some more than 11 people to make this viable. Um, so started putting a text out and things together. We end up getting... I think I had sort of 40 names. So I thought, all right, well, there's a starting point, 40 names. And uh, so that sort of just fizzled away in the background, arranged the training. I said I'd coach it, not done any coaching ever in my life. Um, and whilst that was going on, I started getting some coaches together for minis and sort of putting some feelers out. Um, 
I do a lot of media marketing work for my dad at the Hotel of the Driftwood, and I've done some previously. So I thought, well, let's rebrand Bells. Um, let's sort of make it more family orientated. Because I remember years ago when I was a kid, the kids weren't allowed in the clubhouse. Um, it was very separate, um, like a working men's club. So let's have a more family environment. Um, I'd been down to uh, Rovers a couple of times and there's a PlayStation in the corner and there's a pool table or there was or a football futsal table. So I'm starting to think, what can we do to get that going? So uh, it also turned out that a lot of our golden generation players, kids had come to the sort of same age as reception. So it, it, all of a sudden I had six, seven, eight coaches with their kids and their kids' friends, and it sort of snowballed. So I think in that we, we, we spread really thinly at the first year. I think we had reception to year six with about 80 kids. So we were able to enter some tournaments, not others. Some were playing up, others were coaching. So we gone from we went from year one, 80. I think now we've got 260 kids across all the age groups, and we represent every age group from reception up to now under 13s that's a huge turnaround then yeah um on minimum amount of volunteers as well. i did a lot of myself uh, and the team that i created it was quite you know coaches doing double sessions on a saturday morning and then going to take the fourth the four teams that we'd put in for that particular age group on a, at the kg5 in a tournament so um you know hats off to those guys because you know I would have, I would have carried on regardless, um, but I'd probably be in an early grave if I didn't have the, the support network and, um, you know, the, the likes of people filling in and uh, Gus helping out, or helping me out do the child welfare, ticking all these boxes for the, um, for the accreditation for the, for the FA. So, you know, we were constantly battling and, and then there's, there's kids that can't play in tournaments. So they all want to play in tournaments. So there's, you know, we haven't got en enough. So we're trying to arrange friendlies. And I know we had some of the rovers down at the, the archery. We did little games for year ones. And yeah, so it was just about getting football for all at that stage. And and, and now it's in a situation. I left it uh, last year. Um, I've actually had no involvement with the minis from last year onwards. And like I say, now it's we're represented everywhere. So and a lot of those coaches are still there doing more badges than they did. Um, uh, and new coaches have come in, parents have come in. So, yeah, it's it's sort of managing itself now, but it was it was pretty tough. And that, that's a terrific achievement, uh, Chris, to you to have managed to do what what you did there. But I guess as a club, you're still now waiting for the fruits of that to come through junior football because that's not going to impact you at a senior level for another six, seven years, is it? Yeah, well, it's closer than it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's closer than it was. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we have no um, we have no youth football for now. For, for like you say, under 13s now. At best, you you get some kids coming at 16 that are show willing to be able to uh, be good enough to be in the Premier League. Whatever standard the Premier League is these days, but or you know you've seen it from some other team players this year from other clubs that go on to play for GFC, etc. But you you know the the ability to come in at 16 is, is going to be rare and sparse so you're looking at getting to the point where there's under 18s and then you're able to feed them in so the the difficult task from some so three years ago when Alfie left the the pre his pre role you know he had a, a fantastic squad and we had we had a missed opportunity there with the, with the players that we had um for sure um but they've all left um and it it, it does it is quite 
humoring that we see people talk about us as an aging and an old team. And I actually, um, three years ago, average age of the squad was 34. Uh, average age of the squad now is 31. Um, and that's it's still not ideal, but it's, it's going in the right, right direction. direction. And you, you think about, you know, the likes of people that we've still got, which are invaluable, Zico, 42, Crusher, uh, 37. Uh, and other than that, we're down to 32 after that. So it's it's not as old a team as uh, as people suggest. Yeah, those guys is. maybe skew it slightly. They, yeah, they skew yeah. it slightly. But you know, um, so it's a, it, the, my my plan going in was how do we lower the the playing squad age? Uh, how do we recruit? Well, it's hard to recruit when you don't win anything, and it's hard to recruit when. Um, you know, there's also, I, I always think there's a stigma around bells as well, for some reason. And I, I get it in the past, um, of where the origins of it came from, but not so much now because we offer football for everybody. So, um, you know, it, as hard as it is to promise people football, we've made largely 15 signings this season of unknown people. Um, some from the UK have moved here, found their way down to us. Uh, some from Jersey that are working here for 12 months. Um, and then some youngsters that have been playing six aside that are friends of friends of people that play for Bells or other football that, you know, come and get involved, try, give yourself a chance. Um, uh, and that's largely been the recruitment policy this summer is trying to find people that. And to, to tell you what, if you go down on a Wednesday night and look at six aside, there are ample bodies there that could play in GFA 11 aside football, but for mixture of confidence, mixture of, um, you know, commitment um or you know a can-do attitude trying to get these kids at training um is is hard enough but you know there are there is talent there and people should try and get back into playing 11 aside it's frustrating to see Look, and for, for people who uh, who are wedded to 11 aside football yeah, such as us the the loss of players across the board is dreadful really isn't it i mean yeah. Yeah, the, the, and clubs frankly i mean obviously not an issue for you at bells at the moment but clubs who don't take more care of their 16s, 17s, 18s are a force themselves. Yeah, there has to, you, you've got to get people into your club and keep them in football. It's so easy for people to, to drop out. It's almost encouraged. And I think that is a real, that's a danger for the game. Full stop. Well, we should be an example of, of, of what happens if you don't, if you don't take care at minis and junior level, you know, be warned that, you know, we've won X amount of prios. It doesn't, it means nothing when you get to the point where you haven't got that coming through again. All of a sudden it stops. And then the, I can assure you from the experience, the job back, the route back is a lot harder, and a lot longer than if you took care in initially. Uh, but said that, um, uh, I had a successful time in the veterans. Um, I'll go back to, um, taking that on we we got hammered every week we had some close games with cf james <laughs> yeah 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 but i think both both teams were really looking forward to those two games yeah. season. very much so i think i never celebrated a draw so much in my life <laughs> um but yeah so uh, and then then the following year we we won that league um and then i was quite i was ready to go again um for that league and we, we had more people that reached 35 and we had some people that have got a little bit older that you know vets football was too fast uh, so they they moved on as well so i was all prepared ready to go for that when um it came about that uh the, the, quite quickly that the prior job was was going um i distanced myself originally because i thought well, you know what you like 
you're obsessed. You know, if you you go in there, it's you're going to have to do it all properly the way you want to do it. Um, so I weighed it up for a long period of time. Oh, oh, then the more people I spoke to, players, oh, go on, do it. Oh, I don't know. Committee, go on, do it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, fine, I'll do it. So I had to, uh, I had to speak to a few people, and and I took it on, and I took it on, and uh, on the day I took it on, I lost eight to nine players, <laughs> four to North, um, and very few to vets that couldn't commit to Prio, all, you know, seniors. You know, I can rattle them off names, but they they're irrelevant now. But at the time, to lose eight people that could walk into any Prio side starting eleven isn't the best start. Um, we also lost Dave Merris to GFC last year at the point where we were five from five. So, you know, we had to re sort of jig and get to that. And then it, what was positive until Christmas, um, the wheels fell off after Christmas. Uh, um, you can't rely on people that are not committed to training. If you rely on people that aren't committed to training, then you annoy other people that do come to training on the flip side of that, then you don't potentially always pick your strongest side. So it's, it's, um, yeah, last season was really, really challenging. Um, and the role itself is actually more than a coach, more than a manager. It's seven days a week. Um, it's, you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised. I'm sure James knows from involvement with the, with the team, but it's, it's conversations daily about why didn't you pick me? Why am I not playing? What's the point in coming training? Uh, we lost. Why do you still pick him? You know, it, it's uh, what can I do more? What can I do less? What can I do this? What can I do that? You know, my girlfriend says I should play or, you know, it's it's all this sort of it's it goes on. It goes round and round and roundabouts it, and it becomes like it takes over your life. So I'll get home and the, the WhatsApp's loaded already because I try not to look at it at work. Um, uh, it's just all these questions of like characters like and people's you've got to man manage characters that's aside from the football coaching and trying to find a way to play. So um, I, I did go away uh, at the end of last season and think, you know, I'm not going to not do it again, but what can I do differently? Because we've now lost even more from last year. We've lost more people, you know, a, a goalie, our goalie went to, to Rovers. So, you know, pretty fundamental position to fill. Um, you don't fill it. You're not filling it. You know, it's hours on the phone, hours on text messages trying to convince people to come to a club where we haven't won anything for a long time. And what are you trying to tease them or entice them with? So um, it's not easy. That's not an easy task. But do you think silverware is, is critical? I mean, let's face it, most players, uh, certainly at prior level, do not pick up uh, silverware. You know, Rangers have, have had mere scrapings uh, in in the 21st century. Rovers went years without, without winning anything. I mean, surely you can offer something else at a, at a club and environment, you know, that doesn't revolve around, uh, around medals. It's, it's a good question, but I, you know, I'm yet to find the answer for that because there's people that will not play and get medals that will stay on benches at clubs. So, but, but I think sometimes I, you know, I, yeah, I've been on the other side of it. I've, I've you know, seen, why don't you know, why don't they come down and play for us instead of, instead of sitting on their subs bench or play Jackson or whatever, but actually people, lock into their club and it's not so much whether they will win the medals or not it's just they want to be around those kind of people and we've seen it you know at, at you know at clubs that are successful and seen it at clubs that are unsuccessful and, and rovers frankly is you know for you know decades and decades unsuccessful now 
probably the most successful club in, in Guernsey and with playing player base that is huge yeah. because people want to be at Port Swarf. Yeah. The, the whole env- environment works for them. And I guess, you know, that's probably a model for any club, whether you win silverware or not, you want to have a massive player base of people who want to be involved in your club. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you, it's a good point you make. It, it, what you also find is people follow friends and friend groups dictate. Yeah. Um, and then you also you see if you can get the 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 I've seen it from school when I was at school at St Sampson's people are either Velrec or North you know but you play together in the same school side <laughs> so you know that it, it it's about those trying to get the 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 other people in those friend groups that are the loose ones that are away that maybe are a catalyst to get other people to um, but then if you have too big of one friend group you it becomes clicky <laughs> or it's, it's labeled as clicky. So, you know, we, we've, we face all of this. I, I agree that it needs to be all together. And that's something we've definitely tried to do is, you know, squash any sort of clicks or, you know, anything like that. And everybody, everybody is involved. Um, but uh, what can you offer other than silverware? You know, it, it, just be competitive. Are you challenging in games? Yes. Um, are you, you know, are you there or thereabouts in the big games? And and I tell you what, I, I take the big games every day of the week ahead of the smaller games because I just, and not, that's not that's disrespectful, not smaller games, but, you know, um, there's rivalry, there's pe- past history with, you know, say Bells and North. You're never going to have a problem getting these players up for a North game and North won't want to play you, you know, and there's no issue with that, you know, on a Friday night, you know, in, back to Corbett Cup days or youth football there, there's, you know, so you've got no issue getting people up for that. It's, it, it's, it's whether you can be competitive consistently and it's whether you can give people the minutes consistently and keep everybody happy. And, and I get that gets harder as the, as the yeah. squad base gets larger, um, but you need to balance it. And you have the right amount. So we're there, we're nearly there. Because last year you beat North and you beat Rovers, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, at the end of the season, as you say, you were you know, <laughs> you know, well, hanging yeah. on, basically, were you? Yeah, we were hanging on. The, the, the stranger on a Sunday did us no favours last year um, for whatever reason. Um, Christmas parties, people still in, in between the Christmas New Year period and people still out and, and then Christmas overhanging. It was, I mean, it's not an excuse, but it, it, it did happen. It, and, that, and that was a the spark that sort of, dwindled our season away um um it wasn't even injuries it, it, it wasn't injuries it's availability it's availability you yeah, know and loss of interest loss of interest and, and what from a club's point of view because i set on the committee uh, although a little bit distant from it at the moment while I'm doing the coaching role but when um when you get to sort of october november december january february um you know as a as a prio team you need to train on you can't train on the 3g which is a five-a-side pitch you need space to be able to work on Tactics, formations, you know, styles of play, passing patterns. And we go and provide the, the Prio team with Bocamp or St. Sampson's High. And then you don't get the bodies. It's it's disheartening from a coaching point of view, you know. And then you end up having to jumble a squad together for those last games in the season. It was it was it was horrific. But un, un, like until then we were you know we were very competitive. Like you say we I don't think anyone else beat Rovers down at the Swaff last year. No, I don't think so. No, I mean and that was a backs to the wall job. But you know that those sort of games last year suited us. Um this year I think we can we're we're a bit more on the front foot. We've got a bit more attacking options. Um certainly a lot of our signings are from this season are from players that are 
in real, have been involved with the club for a long time. Uh, just have not seen doing. Yeah, that I mean, Robbie Williams is one who springs to mind. Well, and, yeah, and Robbie Williams clearly a, a guy who can make a difference for you. Yeah, so yeah, we've also got um, Cal Cummins-Wall. If you, um, he's injured currently. He's had an operation, but you know, um, and we've got players missing still. Jared Carrington still missing. Uh, so you add in the likes of Brad Foss and uh, Joe Welsh. You know, all these guys are under twenty-five years old. Uh, all with a terrific amount of pace. You know that. You know we we want to be more on the front foot. Yeah. And season. you know, if if you can score goals, then you'll have a chance. Your problem is if you can't score goals, then you know. The, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. The, the minute you leak one, it's kind of game over, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, which last season, that was I think nine times we were leading one nil and lost two one, and uh, three times Saints, twice North. Um, Sylvan's another game. I can't remember the rest off the top. They're yeah, so pretty tight games. So yeah, when you re- when you sit at the end of last season and you evaluate where you are, you've got to kind of look at those games that you were losing two one, where you were leading for large periods of the game. Can you build on that? Not the games where you couldn't put your best side out. Not the games where you couldn't do that. You've got to try and look at those fixtures and say, no. Not what if, because hindsight's a great thing. But if you looked at those and you say, well, I could have, you know, what we could have got out of those games changes our league position dramatically. So take those positives, add in some quality, a bit more attacking impetus. What can we do this season? And we've had some great numbers pre-season training. Um, we've, like I said, we signed a lot of youngsters. Um, for instance, so we've got our first Jackson game Wednesday. And for the first time, we don't have to use any pre players. You know, they're, they're rested, for if, in fact. So uh, it's that's a positive in itself that we haven't got to call upon them to play two games in a week, if it is two games in a week. Um, we haven't got to call veterans up to Jackson football. We haven't got to call railway players up to Jackson football. We have nearly a Jackson side, um, which is, we've got a, a really great youngster, Eric Gomez, nine, 16, 17 years old, um, made the bench a couple of times, the first pre, couple of pre games. He's going to get loads of time in ja- in, in Jackson. Um, also being in and around training with Crusher, it's invaluable to a, to a 17 year old. Uh, and we've got players like that all over the pitch um, that are coming training at the moment. So, you know, you look at defenders that are coming through, um, that have got Lewis Germain as a uh, to look at, look up to, to you know Steve Saunders as a left back. Joe Welsh can take things from him. You know Selby Breton. Uh, you know uh, the right backs. Brooklyn Germain can look at. You know there there are players around that are coming in training that can learn off the older players, and that's good to see. Uh, and that's a positive for us. Yeah. So what's your aspiration for this season, Chris? <sighs> aspiration. Well, I think that the there's um. There's the added incentive of the WeWay being a fourth spot. Do I see that as an incentive? We we need to gain, well, we fifth, sixth, I think we dropped it in last year, but we held on to fourth and fifth for a long time last year. So fourth would be tremendous. Might also be seen as a little bit of an overachievement, but it has to be the, has to be the aim. Has to be the aim. Um, I think the stranger... Um, I mentioned to Harry a few weeks ago that the stranger now is is probably not easy is the wrong word, but realistically, it's the best chance we've had of getting out of the group for about three or four years. I think um, when I look at we've got the um, the Guernsey representative side and Rangers um, and 
Sylvans, I think, but a lot of their players will play in the representative side. So mm. it, without being cheeky or being disrespectful, again, it, that's we see that as an opportunity to get out of the group. So if you can get out of the group, then you're in a knockout and then anything can happen in a knockout. But also then if you, that goes well, I guess there's momentum into the next calendar year, which you said basically last year, that's yeah. what dropped off for you. So where, where, it's it's, where, it was, season, where it was a negative for us last year, we're looking at that to be a bit of a springboard for us. Uh, you know, and try and keep those bodies training in, which I don't think will be a problem this year. And I know you said, I mean, some people are maybe a little bit itinerant in, in your squad, but, um, you know, I was impressed with the, with the numbers of, of people that you found when you heard about the people who were, you know, leaving or dropping out uh, at Bells. You thought that, you know, and given what was going on last April time, you thought they're, they're in trouble. But actually, you know, your numbers game has been, a, has been a success at least, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you've got to look at first numbers are key. Um, numbers are key for a lot of things. Numbers are key for, you know, um, Prio players. Are they, uh, can we fulfill a competitive Prio starting 11? Yes, is the answer. Yes, we can. Um, you know, can we make, then make sure that the bench is strong enough? We're getting there. Can we make sure we've got a competitive Jackson side? I've no, no doubt that we will have a competitive Jackson side, but there's a lot of learning to do in that period. So what we gain from that is we then get our second objective of can we have impact from the bench that will come from those Jackson games and those youngsters, of which I'm confident that, that, will, that will happen. Maybe not straight away at the start of the season, but by the end of the season, I'd like to think that we've got a well-rounded first and reserve team. Just in terms of the bigger picture, because there is a lot of sort of bigger picture chat in Guernsey football at the moment, um, you know, maybe some differing opinions as well about about the sort of state of the game here and and how we, you know, how it ultimately gears us up to to measure up against Jersey and, you know, and further afield. But I mean, what's your view heading into the new season of of whether we're moving in the right direction kind of as, as a sport in the island? A difficult one because I was um, I was against the splitting of the league because for several reasons um, I didn't want to be a couple of things were if if we were if we were what was it from fifth downwards or fourth downwards I can't remember so so the, the proposal in the summer was that effectively after was it two rounds of fixtures then the yeah the, the the league would would split into a top four and a bottom four that's right okay so I what if I was in the bottom four, but mathematically I could still win the league, I'd be kicking myself because I don't want to be playing, again, no disrespect, and I'm not going to name clubs, but I don't want to be playing the bottom four teams every week in, week out. When I, you know, you need players, you know, react to playing in big games and playing against top four sides or top two sides and causing an upset is a driver. And I don't want to, I wouldn't want to be a winner paper prio or whatever it's called the the, the the bottom the best of the rest it's not i don't think i don't think that was beneficial and and that was one of my concerns about doing that and and then i look at um the reasons for behind it one of the reasons being that well the top four can play each other better better opposition to go against and play against jersey and my point is well i can't remember i did some maths if i was to say 78 percent 78% of Ireland selection come from GFC over the last 10 years and those players don't play in the Premier League so why is changing the Premier League going to help you in an interinsular game where those players don't play in the Premier League that was another point um, there has to be other ways um, and I think if you're going to win if you're going to win interinsulars against Jersey then it's not about splitting the local league it's about your preparation as a team whether that means going away, whether that means playing, bringing teams over, whether that means a uh, more frequent training camp 
of a squad picked well in advance of the game and they meet up say every couple of months or every month or every other week I don't know whatever it is if you've got more of that going on and more preparation against say playing somebody that if you benchmark yourself against or jersey against um I've, I've played a lot of football in the UK against the league you go and find that league and you want to target an opposition to play against to up your levels go and do that or France or somewhere that's going to be better served than tampering with the Premier League um, because your players for the Inter-Insular don't come from the Premier League that's a fact uh, River Marsh is the only one I think that comes to mind that's made the squad in the last five years so whether that's controversial or not um, I think that it's more about your preparation as a team of what level you're at and that will bring the results, not tampering with any sort of local football. I suppose another big picture question maybe for the club, for, for your club. Obviously, there's a, there's a major project underway at, at Victoria Avenue um, with the, the, the new GFA headquarters. I mean, how do you say that uh, impacting you guys as, as a club? Obviously, you know, the traditional home of Guernsey football. Is it a good thing that, that there's going to be that big new facility there and, uh, you know, you're going to be right next door? Cool. <laughs> um, okay, so... It's definitely a good thing. Um, uh, as a uh, uh, from a spectator point of view, first I look at it. I think, I think that I feel whenever I've watched games at Foots Lane and is there any interinsular football there or cup finals, I feel like the it's, you're a little bit disengaged from the game itself. Um, I'm a stickler for a variety at the track. Um, if I was on someone's shoulders as a kid, or you know, on a on a bunker on someone's shoulders as a kid, and it was packed, and it was a it was a great atmosphere. Um, whatever you can do to recreate an atmosphere like that um, has to be has to be good. Um, saying that, it won't be at the track; it'll be next. It'll be next door. But uh, I think the facility and what it will bring, um, the benefits will be will be massive. Uh, we already don't have in, uh, representative football, so we're not losing any representative football at the track from a Bell's point of view. Um, would we maybe have to look about changing kickoff times uh, maybe to get some sort of follow-on footfall? I don't know. That's just me brainstorming uh, here. Uh, but it's going to be lively. It's going to be busy down Victoria, Victor Avenue. So if we were to be clever, maybe we can get some of the knock on if we schedule games around it and not cl cl clash with it. Um, but then also I think, you know, we'll have, we've got um, like the facility at KG5 at the minute, you know, we're going to, it's going to benefit us when games get called off. There'll be a facility to play your matches there. So, you know, there'll never be a dictation dictated to, but you can't play the three pre-O games that have been called off on a Saturday because there's some booking on at KG5. It's for G it's for Guernsey football. So, you know, if we can, if they can play all the games there and never get a game called off, then, well, everyone wants to play football all the time. So no one wants, I mean, I, I did a small stint as a fixture secretary about, seven or eight years ago um, took over from Gary Cortes and I can assure you you don't want <laughs> rearranging football matches <laughs> um, so if you can if, if if that's one side of it that no games get called off and they can all be played at a facility that isn't dictated to you by other sports then yeah here here yeah Chris as you've said you've taken on so many roles at Bells and also in Guernsey football as well uh, how does this current one rank and how long do you see yourself doing it for mm. 
Um, this one is um, is a lot more of passion than uh, passion in history for me. Um, I didn't think I was going to be a coach, so and I didn't think I was going to be a coach so soon. Um, so, how long I'm going to do it for? I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll know when the time's right. Um, but what I won't let happen is the hard work that I've put in now, um, and the blueprints I've given the club for the minis and, and everything else. Uh, when my time is up as Prio coach, whether that be for the club or by myself, um, I'll just reapply myself into another level, um, of the club in terms of coaching and make sure that the blueprints continued. Um, at the minute I'm enjoying it. Um, I've got a good coaching team. Um, I've managed to, uh, secure Leighton Cheney, which I did last year, but he wasn't available because of work commitments, but he's now available every Saturday. He's now available every training session. So having Leights in is, is a big one alongside Danny, who's my current assistant and Liam, who looks after the Jackson. So we've got a good coaching group. We've got a good bunch of players that's getting better all the time. So for now, I'm, let's not put a date on it, but I looked at when I took it, minimum of five. Um, and if someone better comes along, so be it. Minimum of five. That's the kind of uh, talk we expect from Chris. I suppose, I mean, if you were to win the league, that would be an amazing achievement for the club and for yourself as a coach. But realistically, from a Guernsey football perspective, you probably can't top what you've already done at Bells in terms of turning around that the... the the, the junior section and when you have a full youth section as well all from the minis that that you introduced in the first place that will surely be you know arguably the, the best achievement you've ever managed yeah you're probably right i mean i'd not say that i would i'd probably be on I'd be out for a week if i won the pre league that's for sure <laughs> um but let's be realistic no i the I, I can tell you right now the 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 best achievement i um so far i don't think it could be topped was um, we won the the range of sevens, uh, under seven and under eight in the first year we took it on, sorry, second year. So we would enter some tournaments and I remember it, it was just around Easter, just after Easter, I think it is on my, no, it's June. Uh, it, anyway, we, we entered and we've got a team of kids from GFC regulars, uh, you know, Jamie Dodd's son, um, you know, to name a few, you know, this little superstar Galactico under seven squad um, won every game at the range of sevens, didn't concede a goal. Um, and they were, and the whole club rejoiced in that. Uh, and I don't think many moments will top that. I mean, a pre win would, would certainly be up there. And, you know, that's the aim. Uh, if I can deliver any silverware at senior level, then, you know, I'd love to be able to do that. But it well, it takes a lot of hard work. Um, you've got to get the right. You've got to get the players buy in. Um, you've got to get the coaches buy in. Um, who knows? It's it, you're right. I'm not in it for winning silverware, but I want to win silverware. Um, and likewise, we've won more minis tournaments last year, year before, with me not involved uh, at different age groups. We've had semi-finals of Corporate Shield last season, which was massive. Um, so as long as those things keep trickling in and keep, you know, that's achievement. That's real achievement. And, you know, we think, um, I think with the, the Aztec, we had something in the region of 18 kids from Bells in the Aztec, got 
got trials got through to that so things like that are achievements as well uh, that we, we we're proud of uh because that comes from our coaches you know that comes from them putting in the efforts to the time of the kids and i suspect your numbers game that you, you talked about earlier your 250 kids or whatever i suspect that they haven't been taken from other clubs i bet clubs other clubs are a similar kind of size group as they were so potentially that's just brought more young people into the game by having that extra route of opportunity yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, we've not, I, I I don't think we've had many from other clubs. Um, what I can say is that we've had year on year 30 from reception. So yeah. um, that goes into, um, so every every year I go into Vale Capels and I speak to them and put the ball on the board, go into receptions, go into um, assemblies. I, I was doing all of this while I was involved to, to try and get people to come. Uh, and and we, we don't. The other thing is with, with what we did, we didn't have subs for reception to start with. We do now, but we didn't. And, you know, we were trying to get them to come. There was no pressure, you know, even for year ones, two, three and four, you know, just come and try us first before, you know, we, we don't, we're not, we're not as expensive uh, as, as other clubs, but that's nothing against other clubs. They've got their own costs to cover. Um but we we wanted to get people in, come three or four week, weeks, try it out first. If if you like us and we like you, and we'll talk about subs after that. It wasn't ever about necessarily about the money. It was about the numbers. Mm-hmm. It was about getting blue and white everywhere. Um, and that, that was the main aim. And we're there. You know, it's just got to continue. Chris the Freak speaking to Jim and myself there. Um, yeah, great to to have him in um, for this first episode of the season. Um, I, I think, yeah, let's say I mean, we, we kind of alluded to it in the chat. I think um, Bell's probably going to face pretty difficult uh, pre season this year. I think they will be fighting for uh, scraps, uh, really, rather than uh, making any significant challenge. But yeah, I think, you know, I do think Chris's greatest achievement uh, to date is, you know, getting Bell's minis to, uh, to, to or to where they are and also you know, building up an infrastructure at the track that means it's not just about him you know the, the, at the end of the day you know a, a mini section is only as good as the coaches you've got and only as good frankly as the numbers of coaches you've got the more people you've got helping out at minis the more chance you've got of sustainability when things too many things rest on the shoulders of one guy uh, that's where that's where the vulnerability comes in so um, yeah so well done on all counts and uh, great to see so many youngsters uh, heading down Victoria Avenue every Saturday morning yeah really good to see um, hopefully we'll be speaking to all of the prior coaches over the next few weeks and months and plenty more guests from around Guernsey football besides um so stick with us uh right i think that's just about it quick word though on um the over 50s marathi which took pl- finally took place last season's uh, game um over the weekend you could f- read a full match report um in tuesday's guernsey press but the uh the, sh- the longer short is that yeah it was a, a jersey win <laughs> uh, a jersey win but a dominant guernsey performance i hear we hit woodwork and missed <laughs> one-on-ones and uh and jersey seemed to you know, had about one shot and scored you know <laughs> Oh, well, you can read the uh, match report um, for yourselves uh, yeah, in Tuesday's paper. So uh, do pick up a paper uh, and pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local football coverage. Um, right before we go, just quick look at the fixtures. Uh, well, in fact, we ran through the Prio games at the top, didn't we? Three uh, across the weekend, Friday and Saturday. GFC also back in action at home, on the home soil on Saturday. But isn't there only one game that really matters this weekend, Tony? <laughs> well, there is a very big one, yeah, on Friday night. Um, yeah, the OEs against Elizabeth College, which... Uh... OEs under the management of... <sighs> 
Yes, myself. <laughs> it's, I, I, the team is taking shape, to be fair. The team is taking shape very slowly. But yeah, basically, um, this is a plea for any... Uh, <laughs> for, we're, we're short of a bit of quality, I'd say, um, speaking sort of personally. So uh, yeah, if there are any OEs listening, you fancy a run out on Friday night, six o'clock kickoff at the College Field, um, do give me a shout in uh, wherever you can find me online and uh, we'll get you in the team. Is it right? You've got enough luxury players, Tony. You just need some people to do some work. Right? Yeah, we've got... Yeah, we've got real. Uh, you got yourself, we've got, we've got so star, that's the start. We've got star quality uh, sort of further up the field, but we do need a bit of a uh, bit of solidity, probably. <laughs> Very humble, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Very modest. Call yourself star quality. <laughs> uh, right. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheerio. Cheerio.